What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Volleyball Source Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 23rd today. I have a very special guest joining us from his quarantine in Ottawa. Is, is that where you're at? Are you at, you're at mom and dad's? Yeah, just outside of Ottawa and Manitick. I'm mom oh, and dad's. Good, good old, good old Manitick. Um, about 15 minutes down the road for, from where where I grew up in Bar, Bar Haven. He just finished his second year of pro playing in the Czech Republic for Ode Voda Odalena Voda Aero. Yeah, Aero Odalina Voda. Aero Odalina Voda. He is the pride of Nipissing University and the Mavericks Volleyball Club, not to mention Sir Robert Board in high school. We have Mr. Warren Taylor. <laughs> Dude, what's going on? How's it going? It's good, man. Uh, finally good just to relax and uh, give the body a break after a long season. Uh, just happy to be home after uh, one of the craziest uh, COVID seasons. Of, well, the only COVID season I've been a part of. I mean, I like shout out to everyone that's overseas right now playing because it's it's not easy this year. How it was not easy this year. How like take us through it a little bit. How bad? Like how hard is it? Because, you know, uh, one of my funniest I think memories from when COVID was going down last year was watching you on Instagram being like, "Hey, there's a pandemic going on, so this is mean I can travel for for cheap." And for a while, like you were like hopping, like going through different cities, like tra- traveling for cheap. Was that you? No, 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 that that wasn't me. No, for me, oh. it was it was like uh, as soon as the the season end, uh, ended because of COVID, they're like, yeah, we have to send you home before like Canada locks the border. So like you're on a flight tomorrow morning. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, dang. I guess I'm going home. Dang. Yeah, so, it was like boom right away. So, but like, how hard is it to play professionally right now? Because like, I mean, playing professionally is an isolating experience at the best of times. Right. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're in a different country. You can't necessarily speak the language. None of your family and friends are there. But now you have all of this other stuff where it's like you can't even go out and experience the country. Oh, no, exactly. Like, you know, usually, you know, if, let's just say you're the only English speaking person on the team. You're going to have that barrier, not being able to, to talk to people. Like, you know, that's a pretty simple thing. Right. Just being able to communicate with people uh, as well, you know, like being able to go go out into the city you know like i was very close to prague maybe only 20 minutes away one quick bus and i'm i'm, I'm downtown and everything's locked down so now that's taken away from you and so now you're for me i was stuck in a town it's a really small town like five thousand people so now you know you only have one one restaurant right and even that is like takeout only so now it's like you wake up you go to practice you come home, sleep, you go to practice again at night, and then you're right back in your apartment. So it's like, you know, it starts to feel like Groundhog Day, you know, you're re- reliving the same day over and over. And it's really tough. Uh, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. You know, it's that, it's that, tough. That sounds rough. Did you have a roommate or anything or was it just you by yourself? So I had a roommate, but it, he was like our uh, third libero. So he was like a backup backup. And halfway through the season, we got another outside. So then there was just not enough time for him to play on the court during practice. So the coach let him go. So that ended up being, I was alone as well. So then it was like, whoa, <laughs> now what do I do? So what, yeah, what did so. you do? Like, did you take up finger paint, finger painting? Like, are you really well read <laughs> now? Like, what's, what's, what, what did you do? Honestly, man, I'm, I'm personally a gamer. Uh, downloading 
I got, I got a game pass, started playing games. I'd uh, watch Netflix. I'd read a book here and there. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's really tough when you have a lot of thoughts and you keep them to yourself. It, it ends up being very, very tough. I don't know if anyone's like, like just for example, I've been home for maybe like three or four days mm-hmm. or no, no, seven days. And <laughs> I'm already, already thinking, to lose it. I'm already starting to lose it. Exactly. I'm just sitting in the basement. I'm like, oh, okay, one more week until quarantine is done and I'm free. It's like, you know, I, I like to be busy. I like to be doing things. So I'm already looking to get a job or, or find a way to keep myself busy. So yeah, man, it's, it's just ways to occupy your time through hobbies or whatever. Uh, I was also fortunate enough to, uh, like I have a girlfriend as well in, in Czech Republic right now. She's uh, actually studying there. She's from Mexico. Uh, so I would I was lucky enough to, you know, be able to go and hang out with her and her her friends from around the world. So that was that okay. was lucky for me. So at least you know, once a week, you know, when I have that Sunday off, I could go hang out with her and her, her friends and just have some fun walking around Prague so that was at least you know something to look forward to like yeah so that I enjoyed it's it's very important to find friends away from home or or something that can make like away feel like home so at least being able to speak English with a few people was was comforting so this girlfriend um did you meet her last year because this is actually your your second year with the club um no this is I met her this year I met her this year it was kind of funny. It was like I was just out and I was just like grabbing a coffee and I just like talked to her. And then after that, it was like, hey, like, you know, you should come over and hang out with, with some of me and my friends. Like, OK, sure. And it was like during lockdown, you know, it's like, OK, so there's police outside. <laughs> and it's it kind of feels like, uh, you know, I don't know how to explain it, like don't want to get caught because like they could arrest you so it's like you're almost sneaking around after 8 p.m 8 p.m that's crazy <laughs> we we you, we did we haven't had any lockdowns like that in canada i guess actually no that's true we did have kind of have a, a lockdown it wasn't so much like you couldn't be outside but there was no businesses like in toronto there was no businesses allowed yeah. to be open past 8 p.m and wow. that was and that was yeah that that was uh, a little bit tough but you know, I just completely forgot what my my next question was. Sorry about that. Um, I, that's okay. That's okay. You you met we we mentioned this is, has been year two uh, with this club, which is like you're you're pretty lucky. Most people usually have a string of one year contracts, and maybe they get a two year one. You got a two year uh, right off the bat. Are you going to be going back to them for for a third year? Are you going to test the market a little bit? What's what's up for uh, what's up for you moving forward? Moving forward, I'm just going to take it like one day at a time. You know, it's it's been two years. I've, been, I've enjoyed my experience there. But like you said, like uh, for me, I, I'm just thinking, you know, I have a limited amount of time I can play. You know, everybody grows old. So it would be to test the market, uh, play in a different city um, or a country altogether. I think a different country would be very, very cool because when you, when you play in one country, and you're playing all these teams, you get to travel the entire country playing volleyball. So it's a very cool experience. So 
with a limited amount of time, I, I would like to most likely try something new. Dude, I'm looking at your Volleybox profile right now, yeah. and yeah. you've got, like, all of the clubs on your profile, eh? Like you put you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you went all the way you went all the way everything. you went all the way to the good old Ottawa Kangaroos. You like you got you got the purple in there. That's crazy. I had to. I had to. I, you know, it's it's. <laughs> I, I'm trying to look here. Oh, you and George Ibrahim are the only person who have ever clocked in to play for the Ottawa Ottawa Kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Now, like you know, you. First of all, I, I kind of want to talk about Nipsing University with you, and because okay. you uh, uh, you were one of the first guys to come out of that program after they made the jump to to U Sport, like they they made the jump to to U Sport, yeah. and you were kind of one of that those the first recruits and the the first few years, and then you really helped grow the that program to 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 what it is today to being like a very well respected program in in the OUA. I just kind of like to hear about because like you know like Nipissing is obviously it's not one of the the first places you think about when you think about like getting recruited for volleyball. But it seems like everyone I know who's gone to play for Nipissing has had a really really good experience. Oh man, uh I absolutely enjoyed my time, my 5 years there. It's funny, it goes by fast, but when you look back, it's just so many good memories. Uh, I remember it was I was like 18, and I called my coach at Christmas, and I said, you know what, I think I want to come to Nipissing University. And he's like, well, that's like the best Christmas present I could have asked for. Because our team, the Mavericks, was we were doing so well. I think my 18 year, we came uh, third at Nationals. Like, we were, we were killing it. Um, and in, in my 17 year, we, you we came second. Are you a 95? Yeah, I'm a 95. Yeah, I'm yeah. 95. Yeah, so your second year, 17 new year, you guys came second at nationals. I remember that because yeah. I coached the 18 U team just just uh, just above you. And yeah, you you were a very, a, a very, I mean, you that was a very good club team, but you were also a very good club player. So I can understand why yeah. Eric Young was stoked to get you. So yeah, to get like a, a decent recruit, he was definitely very happy, especially because the following year we were going to, to the OUA. And it was definitely uh, interesting, you know, th these guys, uh, they had just come off uh, a national championship. So, you know, it's like, you know, we're the best, we're the best. And then you go up against, you know, juggernauts like McMaster and you're, whoa, three nothing. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, we were good in college, but this is the next level. Like, this is not college anymore. So definitely, uh, definitely humbling for them. And it was definitely well, we need to recruit bigger, more skilled players. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was, no, but those guys were awesome. Like it was like right away, they welcomed me onto the team and they worked very, very hard. Um, even some of the, like, I had uh, one mil middle, like Tyler Phillipson, like six, six foot one or six foot two, but he was fast and he could close blocks. And you know what? It sometimes it's not all about height; it's about decision making and heart. So, shout outs to him. He was he was good. It it seemed to me like Nipissing really just embodied this grinder mentality that you guys were going to go yeah. out and and oh, grind yeah. out every single game, and it didn't play it matter if you guys were playing against Mac or U of T or or RMC that you guys were going to go out and and make it difficult on the other teams. Oh no, absolutely. I mean. Um, 
it's sometimes very tough to recruit to a Northern Ontario uh, team. So if we weren't going to be uh, getting the most skilled players, then we were going to work hard to become the most physical players. Um, uh, we were fortunate enough to take on Tyler Vivian as our uh, strength coach. Team and we Viv, had yeah. him at, uh, yeah, we had him at uh, the Mavericks. And, oh, right away, the OUA noticed, like, whoa, like, these Nipissing players, like, they've been working hard over the summer. Like, they're massive, you know? It's like, you know, you got Cameron Branch. Like, when he hits the ball, the, the floor shakes. <laughs> he was an absolute beast, you know, like, 330-plus kills per season. Uh Lyndon Sinego, awesome. He can jump so high, pretty decent ball control, man. And he was so strong. I remember his hand clean numbers were ridiculous. Um, and then also we had Jack Peckham from Hamilton. He was on my team. And like from his first year to his last year, it's like, whoa, like he grew so much. Like he was so strong. Even, you know, like we're doing vertical testing and he, he jumps, you know, 11, eight, like 0.5 higher than me. And yeah, I'm way better than you. I'm way better. You know, it's like so competitive, so competitive. He'd always say, you're M2, you're an M2. You're an M2. <laughs> you're an M2, you're middle two. But I was like, no. So I would always say, no, I'm the M1. So it was always a competition between both of us. It was funny. It Good memories. It seems like, you know, that I, you're right. Like thinking back to watching you guys progress physically like it seems like guys went into that that nipissing program and you all just become like gym rats and you all oh yeah you all just get bigger and it's 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 great to see do you like would you suggest you know if if you're talking to like a a younger recruit maybe you know a young mavericks kid would you suggest like hey like go to nipissing like you're gonna have a good experience there oh absolutely you know uh with the strength and conditioning program and as well you know eric young is a a great coach um i've seen him grow throughout the years um and every year better and better you know if it comes down to just the first day you're there him welcoming you your recruiting trip to you know getting the uh nipissing no everything all your resources you need inside like he has it down to a t he makes sure you have the resources you have uh to need to succeed and he pushes you to, you know, to become your best. Um, he's not going to accept uh, a subpar performance. And, and that's, and that's it's, it's just that simple. To me, like the growth of a program like Nipissing really shows the growth of Canadian volleyball in general. Because, you know, Nipissing has, you know, it's a, it's a smaller school in, in a not so easy place to recruit. And yet now, not only have they had you, have you guys found success in the league, in the OUA, you guys are a staple in, in the OUA. And as I mentioned before, it's not a team that anyone takes lightly anymore. Definitely probably in the, those beginning days, it was it was very much like, okay, when when are we playing RMC and when are we playing, playing Nipissing? Whereas, like, Nipissing. I know that for a fact now, like, it is it is not a gimme game to, to – to 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 go up to to Nipissing at all um <laughs> no because <laughs> what you have to understand is uh for Nipissing it's it's just tough for us in general for all road games because our closest road game is five hours away so when we have a home game it's like I'm, i mean you guys are feeling what we're feeling you know when we go all the way to windsor and it's a eight and a half hour drive 
you know, we can't wait to, for Windsor to come play us. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you get those road legs, so you got to deal with that. I made that trip one year for the season opener. Um, when Logan Mend was setting for York, his dad, Paul was in town and been like, I'm wrenching a car and I'm driving up. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go to, let's go up to Nipissing for, for a game. I think it was the year that you were at the FTC. I think it was the year that after, after you were okay. there. Um, otherwise, yeah. Otherwise I would like, I definitely would have remember like seeing you and, and stuff there. Cause yeah. Um, anyways, um, and yeah, like that rem- like that reminded me of like playing college like like being in the bus and like having to drive and then like like <laughs> like play like that like that's that's insane but like that that's difficult but like i feel like you guys i i remember eric young once telling me and this was years ago so i think it's changed a little bit now but that you know when he was recruit like you were the only person that he recruited that other people recruiting that said yes to him and every single mm-hmm. one every other person in that gym was a cast off almost if you will was someone who was just kind of like the warmed leftovers and you know you guys were able to create something very good from all of that and you know it's it's spawned careers like 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 yourself well you know uh eric knew it would be tough to recruit players but he he would try and find diamonds in the rough raw talent that just need to be sculpted and you know, for example, Cam Branch, he's just at a, a high school tournament and and, and in, a, in a lower league, you know, everyone else is going to like um, OVA tournaments or, or this and that. And this is just, you know, some some offs uh, tournament. And, whoa, this guy is, you know, six foot five. He can jump high. If, if we can just, you know, channel that, he can be a force. And it was like, like two years into his career it's like where did this guy come from he's an absolute beast yeah that's yeah that's kind of how i felt i'd never know no idea who he was then all of a sudden he's putting up numbers in the oua it's like oh where where is this guy coming from so like young younger was uh very good at that but as well you know now i don't think it's as hard to to recruit to nipissing because we've had success and we can show you know our program is good if you come here, we're going to have success. So now it's like, because we've had these guys come in five years, six years, seven years later, it's like, okay, you know, it's not, it's, it's pretty close. It's only three and a half hours from Ottawa. You know, now more players are thinking, okay, it's pretty close from home. It's not too bad. Maybe I'll go play an episode. It's interesting. I remember back in, in 2019 when I was in Winnipeg for Norseka Championships. After my car broke down in Winnipeg, so I had to stay there for a bit, and I, I went to a, a couple <laughs> of uh, of high school tournaments, and um, and I remember sitting there watching, and you know, there's there's coaches around like showing me who different kids are and stuff like that, and they're like, oh yeah, there's this one school over there, there's that one kid, and this big kid, like big shoulders out there, and pretty good touch, pretty good ball, and he's from Atacokan, which is a on you know a, t- a town in northern Ontario, kind of near, near Thunder Bay and stuff like that, and I'm watching him and I'm I'm just like, and I just get this feeling. I was like, I feel like this is a kid that would go perfect at at Nipissing, you know? Yeah. And so I'm watching him and I take a few clips from him and I like shoot them off to to younger, and he goes, Oh yeah, that's a kid. Yeah, we're already talking to him. Like he already <laughs> like was already on the ball and like knew who this this 
this one random like as soon as I sh talked about the school at a coke and he's like oh yeah that's this kid he's gonna be great and I'm pretty sure he's 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 signed but it's crazy how you know and, and I, I've I've loved watching what you know the Nipissing has done with the community too um, in that part now do, do you think that like when they do get recruits that you're a part of that because now that they can be like hey look you know like Warren Taylor came came to us like at, at the beginning spent a year at the full-time training center you know he wore a team Canada jersey and now he's off off playing pro like this could be you as well like you don't need to be going to McMaster you don't need to be going to a program that's um, winning championships to learn how to game, play this game to fully and you know have a career with it afterwards I would, yeah I would definitely agree to that but not just myself we've had other guys uh, play professionally Cam played in uh, Amstetten mm -hmm. there in, in Austria. Steve Wood played in, in Germany. Uh, so I'd say it's it's all three of us. I, I remember when I came back last season, Eric said, would you mind if I had one of your professional jerseys? I'd like to put it up in the, in, in the team room. I said, no problem. So now he's got all three of our jerseys up in the team room. So if a recruit comes or even the, the current roster, if they go and see that, it's like, that is possible. These guys came from the Nipissing program. It's it's like whoa, you know. It's it's, you know, I'm not just a Northern Ontario player. I'm not just a uh, walk on or red shirt. Like I can I can do that. So I, I definitely think uh, our influence can give people the hope to do that as long as they put in the work and they don't cut corners for sure. I mean, we know that guys from Northern, Northern Ontario can be uh, successful too, since we just have Nathan. I had Nathan Delguidas on the show last week, two weeks ago. I don't know, but he's from Cochrane, Ontario, played at Mac, and has been absolutely killing it in the Serbian League this year. Yeah, Nathan Delguidas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, I remember he actually had. We almost got him. He was he committed he, to Nipissing. He was supposed to go. And to then Nipissing. he decommitted and then went to McMaster. Like, do I blame him? No. No. Why am I going to blame him for for wanting to go to you know one of the best programs in Ontario? They they've been going to nationals. They haven't got that national title yet, but I think eventually it'll. I think eventually it'll happen. It'll happen. Do you, do you did you blah 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 like did you have did you have other suitors going into university? I feel like you did. Yeah, I was. I was talking to York and I was, I was talking to, to Windsor. Uh, but in, in the end, I was like, the closest one to home is Nipissing. And as well, my sister was going to Nipissing. So I was able to go watch some of her games and I got to see the campus. And I was like, whoa, like this feels like a really close community. You know, if you go out anywhere, you're going to see all your best friends. It's like, this, like a lot of people think, oh, it's you know a small school, you're gonna get bored of it. But for me, it's like it's pretty cool to be go out and see all your best friends all the time. It's not nothing wrong with that to me. I completely forgot that <laughs> your I completely forgot your sister played there before you. That and that and that mm -hmm. makes that makes that that makes perfect sense. Was your sister the one who got you into volleyball? Uh it's actually kind of funny. Like the way I got into volleyball was like I was playing at the time tackle football and hockey. And I was actually for, pretty. Who are you playing for? Were you playing for Nepean? So yeah, I, w I was playing tackle football for the Bell Warriors. Oh yeah, okay. And I was playing house league B, just like for fun. And I, and I was good at hockey. I was that's definitely my favorite sport. But 
but for, like, the, for, for the European Raiders, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Raiders, okay, Raiders, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, Real's got to recognize Real right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as long as you didn't play for Canada, that's fine. No, 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 no way. Fucking Canada Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> One time, my team actually set, at the time, I think we set the Ottawa minor hockey uh, record for most penalty minutes in a game at a Senseplex tournament. And we played Canada in the finals. We played the entire second and third period of five on three. Um, we had wow. enough penalty minutes to play four more periods of five on three. And by the end of the game, we had like our trainer and three guys left on the bench. It was It was great. It was it, That's, it. It was a good time. So for for from now on, I always hate Canada, Canada hockey. But sorry, we'll we'll go back. How how did you get into volleyball? So yeah, and I was like, you know, I, I want to maybe play competitive hockey, and it's like, my father, no, I'm like, why, why, why not? I want to play. Dude, Ten, oh my, so expensive, man. You're talking about a traveling hockey team, ten thousand dollars plus. I'm a growing kid. $750 hockey stick, brand new skate 700 and I'm growing? Like, I can't afford that. Dude, not to mention the time. Like, I remember making a rep hockey team when I was like an Adam. And it was just kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to have practice six days a week, three days a yeah. week. Three days a week, we we're going to be tra training at 6 a.m. before like school. And it was just kind of like, yo, this is, this is, this is a little much. Yeah, so it was like, okay, that is out of the question. And football, you know, I was... I was a middle linebacker. I was crushing kids, but there comes to a point where the big boys get bigger and I got tall. I didn't get big. I got tall and lanky. So it was like, okay, you know, I think it's time for me to get out of this sport. What's next? Uh, and then it's like, okay, my sisters are playing volleyball. You know, maybe I'll just try it. You know, 14 U, 14 U ruse. Let's try it out. And it was like, Lose. oh, you know, it's it's kind of like hockey in the way that you play offense and defense in the same rally. Uh, it's really fast, and it's really fast game, and it's it's had the aggressive like the aggressive mentality, kind of like football and hockey. Like I, at first, I didn't see it, but then after, I was like, whoa, these guys are spiking. Like this is a, this isn't a this isn't a joke. Like these are full grown men now. Like these are, so I remember just seeing uh, Wei Lin. He would throw up a spin serve. He was oh he was incredible when he was fourteen, and he had the craziest spin serve. And seeing that at fourteen, I was like, okay, like maybe volleyball is the next thing. I feel like any Ottawa volleyball kid has always had their kind of like come to Jesus, come to volleyball moment in watching yeah. a glass and player or glass and play. Absolutely. Like, they you, were so good, man. And, and it, it is like, it is the heart of Ottawa volleyball. That's like, that's where Jory Mantha came from. That's where Alex O'Neill comes from. Like you go down the list and the majority of good players from Ottawa, I'm going to say this. If, if, like either you are from Glebe, from Glashen, like from that that volleyball bubble in Ottawa, or you've been impacted in some way by it. Because I remember too, like going to you know tournaments as as you know a, a fourteen year old, and you see this team in black and yellow, and they're just first first of all they're all Asian, so you look like you're like oh we're taller than the guys, we're gonna kill these guys. They're ripping spin serves, they're running a sick offense, like. Everyone's auto. Everyone auto volleyball is like come to moment for volleyball has to do with the glass and spikers like all the time, and it's great. 
Oh yeah. It's like, you know, you go up against Glebe in high school and it's like, okay, these guys have really good ball control. Their setting's awesome. Their passing is good. Like how did they get so good? And then, you know, I went to one of these, uh, Glashen tournaments held by Mr. Desk Clouds. And, uh, I just got to see the entire culture and all the players that have played there, like in the past, whatever, 20, 30 years. And it's like, okay, this is a culture here. And then you start talking to them and it's like, oh yeah, we come before school. We come after school. We play on the volleyball team. And it's like, it was a way for them to just express themselves. Like whatever is going on at home, whatever's going on in life. It's like, Mr. D was going to be there seven in the morning, six in the morning, and you can play volleyball and you can play. So it's like, it's a good way to keep yourself out of trouble and just enjoy playing what you do, like playing what you love to do. So I, he is amazing. Like I, like that, that's, he is the biggest reason all those players got as good as, as they are. Like he, he's an amazing man. I think them getting as good as they did was a byproduct of him caring about them as people as much as he did. Absolutely. You know, he didn't care at the end of the day, he didn't care that like, like for me, like one of the big ones was like Tien. I don't know if you like Tien, he, he's my age. Like I, I played club with him and like playing club with him was, 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 was difficult at the time, but we didn't know what was going on behind the scenes with his, his brother and, and, and everything. And mm -hmm. like now Tien is, is a man who has like a degree and is you know like a, a fantastic role model and you know does great things and is back in in the this is in in like the volleyball community helps out at different places but it's like he he never did it it's it's funny because glashan always wins and he never did it to win you know he never did it with the coach's mentality of like we're going to do it and we're going to win all these championships he's like we're going to do it because these kids come from like you know a a uh not the greatest background and they need something and they all love volleyball. So that like, that's what we're going to give it to them. Do you find that? Like, I, I know for me growing up in that kind of volleyball scenario where like, you know, like we were constantly around kids who had like less than us. I think I can definitely say that for my, for myself. Um, given that you grew up in Manitic, I can, you know, probably say that you had like a little bit more than some of the guys mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it, it was always kind of a culture shock when I'd like see other kids and they were all like, they were all like middle-aged and it, it gave me a different appreciation for not middle-aged, sorry, like middle, like middle class, middle yeah. class. Absolutely. It, it gave me a, a much bigger appreciation for kind of like what these kids were, were going through and, and how much of a different reality it is for, for different clubs everywhere. Cause like when we were playing for Ruse, like the Ruse were huge in supporting that when, whereas we're, we went to Mavs, it mo wasn't much of a reality. No, no hit whatsoever on, on the Maverick club and, and the way, the way they, they, they run things, but they weren't as ingrained in like the Glash and Gleep society as, you know, the Ruse and Fusion were. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you know, you got, you got guys coming from, Vanier, Le Breton Flats, uh, downtown. Um, some of these places are, are tough areas. Um, but you know what? It, they seem pretty normal to me. They were a bunch of nice guys. And I think, you know, having good role models in your life, whether they are family or people outside of that, I think that's huge, you know? So if you can make an impact on anybody's life, it's like, it's very rewarding because these friendships down the road, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 
uh, it's just special like to be, you know, part of a community uh, where everyone helps each other out and just to come back and share stories, you know, uh, amazing. So I, I'm, I'm glad. Um, yeah. I'm glad to be a part of any team I've been on and share those experiences. doesn't matter who you are. We all had a good time. When did you start thinking that pro volleyball was potentially for you? Um, you know, it was like after my, my fifth season, it was like, okay. You know, I, I was at a tur- uh, York tournament there at Christmas, my fifth year. And we ended up winning, um, the, the York invitational and, um, uh, I was like, okay, maybe I, I do want to play. Like, maybe I, maybe I am good enough. I, I, don't, I don't know what I want to do. And uh, Michael Amoroso, I was talking to him, and he was like, I would suggest for you to go to NEP and just, you know, own your skills and just take it to the next level. And I said, okay, you know, maybe, maybe I'll think about that. And I, I got an agent through him. Um, and, you know, it was like, okay, you know, not getting any advice right now. It's like, do I just, you know, get a job or, or do I go to NEP? So I talked to Dan Lewis and he's like, no, like, I think, you know, you've got some pretty raw power. Like you're a very explosive athlete. Like uh, I think you should come. So I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm down to come. So I went there and it was like, he's like, this is what it's like to play pro. Like, we're not going to go easy on you. Like, like you know it starts tomorrow pretty much so you come into the gym and it's like pushing heavy weights to the point of failure 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 and then you still got to go to practice and it's like okay i can't jump now that my legs aren't working my arms aren't working but now it's like you got not but i still have a two-hour practice so it's like what like how is this how am i gonna respond to this am i gonna make an excuse or and it was funny you know if, if you ever had like a, shul, a sore shoulder or a sore knee. It, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I, I feel bad for you. It was like, oh, you didn't do your rehab, you know? So it's a different mentality, you know? It's it's not, it's like in pro, if you say I have a sore shoulder or a sore knee, they're going to say, what's wrong with you? I'm sending you home. You know, it's your... <laughs> so, so that was interesting. So it's like, okay, but it actually worked, you know, doing this rehab or this warm-ups, you know, you come in 20 minutes early, you do like a whatever a shoulder circuit or something to warm up your your knees and your ankles and and your hips and as well like a half an hour uh, warm up in practice and it's like okay after I warm up I actually feel fine like I don't feel as sore as I thought I would so there's like just getting through that barrier and always coming into work yeah I've had this discussion with people before about the NEP, FTC, NEP, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same thing. And how, you know, I've, I've heard people, oh, you know, like, what, do you think these guys are actually going to get that much better playing at the NEP? And and for me, my my argument is always, yeah. it's, well, yes, I think you are going to get that much better. And I think that you're going to get better in very specific spaces. But I also think, just like you said, like, it teaches you how to be a pro volleyball player. Because you're right, yeah. like, like just, just like that you said, like, it's, it's right on the, the nose. Where, you know, like, if you aren't, like, uh, I think because in North America, there's a much different pro model. Like, 
you know, if, if, if a guy on the Raptors is on a contract for two to three seasons and he gets injured, then the Raptors are going to take care of him and, and all that stuff. But when you're just on like year to year contracts and that contract can be voided at any point, if you're injured, you might be done. And not to mention, you know, at your universities, they actually have a pretty big budget for recovery and, and physiotherapists. When you go play pro, it's like you're not you're not traveling in a big bus. You're traveling in you know two small cars. You're getting a little bit of physiotherapy, if not none. So it's like you got to take care of yourself. You got to you got to know how to take care of yourself. So my lacrosse ball was my best friend. My foam roller is my best friend, and as well, you know, like just cooling down properly, stretching. It's like it's and getting you know adequate adequate sleep. So it's it's all part of the puzzle, you know. It, if you've got a morning practice, I, I would suggest sleeping before your next one, if, if I'm honest, so you don't feel it by the end of the week. Because it's like, it's one thing to practice, you know, seven times in the week, and it's another thing to play, you know, a cup match in the middle and another match in the week on the weekend for regular season, if if you're not already playing in CEV cups. So, <laughs> but, like, it's... It's a full-time job. People don't understand that part. If you don't have your body, you don't have anything. So, Do you think like that – I wonder like how many careers have we lost over the years because guys just didn't understand that, you know? And that like even like even what I probably received in terms of therapy at like a CCAA school is probably much better than majority of pros are getting overseas. No, absolutely. Like you've got that right on. Uh no, like I, I just heard there in October um, that McMaster player had had torn his rotator cuff in in Austria, um, and like I was like, oh my god, like that's that's terrible. Wait, or just other players. That's what happened to Passland. He tore his rotator cuff. This is the first time hearing of this. I, I I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think they they posted an article there on on Mc, on the McMaster website about oh, his experience, but. Uh, yeah, it's like, whoa. And it's like reading his story, it was like, you know, I, I was, it was a lot of volume, but I, I can attest to that too. Like it, it, at a certain point, it's like, you're not the invincible Canadian, which they think you are. Like when you come overseas, it's like, like, for example, I'll give you a, a preseason story for me. It's like, we've already been practicing, you know, twice a day, all week. And then we have a, you know, invitational tournament and, we invite Carla Varsco and Prague to come play, right? So it's like we're playing and we don't play just, you know, first to three. It's like five sets no matter what mm -hmm. just to get the reps in. So it's like I play all five sets and then we have a second match the same day. I play, you know, all five sets again. So it's like I played two full matches in a day and I'm like after a full week of like, you know, eight, nine practices. So I'm like destroyed and it's like, the next day it's like we were supposed to have another match i'm like how am i supposed to play another match tomorrow like this is bad and then uh one team had a cancel um coming down and actually playing us because uh they they had gotten corona i think it what it might have been usti uh but uh the next day it was like no we're gonna do an inter-squad match and i remember like my like first or second jump i jumped and then i was like ouch like what's that and then i just stopped and it was like you know i'm a minor a very very minor uh strain in my quad 
and it's like, okay, now I'm going to be out for two weeks. And it's just like, whoa, like, where did that come from? Like, you know, it's like, I've never, ever had that type of injury in my, my quad before. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on. And, and then I look back and I'm like, look at the volume that I just put myself through. Like I was telling other players that volume and they're like, what? They're like, why? Like, that's not, that's not even productive. And I'm like, it's, that's, you're a machine over here. They don't care. Do you think it's be- maybe partly because like, um, and I'm, I'm completely making this up off of my own, but like, do Europeans maybe have a slightly less motor in practice and they might go at like 70% as opposed to going at a hundred percent? 110% full all the time. That's, that's what it is. It's, yeah. It's full all the time. Crazy. It's full all the time. Like your best is never your best pretty much. So it's always pushing you to become better. But, uh, you know, I, when I was, uh, playing at NEP and I'm talking to Dan Lewis and he says, if you go hundred percent all the time, you're just simply not going to get better there. There needs to be rest because think about it. If, if I was to get, you know, an adrenaline rush in practice, you know, I'm not going to be going to sleep anytime soon. I'm going to be going to bed sometimes three, four in the morning. And then when I got practice the next morning and then you've got other things going on, you know, like I noticed that sometimes when I'd play uh, over uh, in, in my season this year, it's like, I have an amazing game full of adrenaline rush. Like, you know, people call it beast mode, whatever. And then the next day you're like, you almost feel like hungover, you know, you're like, what just like, what's wrong with my body. And it takes you, you know, a few days to get over that. And it's like, you know, you can't go full all the time, but you definitely need to be mentally engaged and you can always work on technical aspects of the game. You don't have to hit it full every time in practice, mm-hmm. but you can, you know, make a smart tip, you know, like take out the setter or, you know, or, or put it somewhere where it's going to make them have a tougher uh, either score or put them in, give yourself a free ball back or we're going to have a triple ball uh, block up, you know? So it's, I think that's, uh, what you have to end up doing, you have to self-manage yourself in in practices uh, during the week, so that when it comes to the game on the weekend, you still have full energy. Like this year was, it felt like NEP, but more this year because I was like the only full-time, like legitimately full-time middle middle blocker. So like some of my middle blockers would be coming to practice, you know, three times a week or four times a week because they're in school or they're an older player. Um, and, but for me, it's like, I'm getting all those extra reps, you know? So that was also uh, a learning experience for me. And, you know, I want to go full all the time, but you also have to maintain your machine. You can't just break it. Mm-hmm. You Now that's, that's crazy how much volume you were getting. And I mean, it makes sense that, that you talk about Paslin uh, tearing his rotator cuff because I know that he was getting crazy volume like right out of the gate, yeah. gate from them. Yeah. You know, like, the, one of the first articles I wrote this season was about Paslin like going off in the, in one of their first games and like playing well in the CEV Cup. So that that makes complete sense. Um, do you find like is there certain skills that maybe you are like is is there certain maybe not skills but aspects in the game that coming from Canada you felt that you excelled at but that maybe that there's others that you were way far behind like is there is there that kind of discrepancy be kind of between North American ball and European ball? Let me just think. Um, during NEP, I actually got 
a lot better at out of system setting. Um, and as well, I've always had a mean float serve. Um, in, in attack, I, I thought I was like, you know, really good because I just go over top of the block and just bounce it in, in OUA. But when it came to pro, it's like, no, I'm playing against, you know, six foot 11, seven footers. You can't do that anymore. You're, you're a little now, bit undersized as a middle. Oh, I'm only, I'm only, you know, 198 centimeters. You know, I'm, I'm six, five just under six. I'm just, I'm like six, six foot six in an eighth pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so I was always very explosive and I just hit deep over top of box. But now it's like, okay, they're taking my five. You know, I have to hit both ways, you know? So I remember my first game I come in and we're playing the best team in the league um, in, my, in, my, in my rookie season. And I go up and I just try to go over the top of the ball and bounce it. And just the biggest middle blocker on the other team, <laughs> um, uh, Tadoa, just absolutely slams me. And I'm subbed out and I'm on the bench. And then my coach is like, see you you have to hit both ways and then at practice the, the next monday it was like don't try and hit it as hard as you can like be precise you know mm -hmm. so then now it was like working on my five shots so all we did work on five shot five shot five shot and then after that it was you know you you're too tight to the to the setter you need to be able to like jump into the ball and like pick where you're hitting you know you can't just hit five one time or hit one the other. Like you have to be able to hit both. Okay, I'm at I'm gonna each stop time. you. I'm gonna stop you here because I I remember trying to get you to back up from the setter when you were a 17 you and we used to do those double practices with mm. our two teams. I remember trying to 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 get you to change that. So I'm glad that they finally got got you to do it in in the Czech Republic because trying to get you to do it as a 16 year old was difficult. Well, so so when I was younger. Uh, my nickname was Hops, not because I could jump high, but actually the lack of hops that I had. You had long so, arms. So I would jump straight up and just extend my arm, and that's how I could get the height. Uh, but obviously that, that's not the way you want to get your height. You want to be jumping into the ball. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, once I stopped being lanky, I, I still had that style of play. But it was actually okay because it was like if I was set on the net where I had the angle to go with T, mm -hmm. it was like who's going to stop me? No way. Yeah. But when I came to pro, it's like, no, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> but you, so, but yeah. you, you were able to make that adjustment, I'm guessing? I was. I was after you know many, many reps. And I was able actually – it was like the first two weeks in a row I was like benched. And I was like, whoa, like this is I've, – I've always been a starter. What's going on? And then I kind of just like, <laughs> this is going to sound funny. I took it personally. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, I'm turning everything off outside of my life. Like, I'm going to become obsessed. And then it was like, my obsession was like crazy, man. Like, all I thought about was volleyball and all I wanted to do was perform. And it, it showed on the court. It was like, I was on the dream team for a month straight, having like 14, 15 point games. And and they were like, everyone in the league is like, whoa, where did this guy come from? Like, who's Warren Taylor? So that was like crazy, you know? And then after you have players respecting me before they, you know, read and react on me, mm -hmm. and next thing you know, I've got full commit blocks, and that helps my outsides, you know, if my setter sees that.
it's like in pro, if you have a one-on-one and the ball's in the right spot, it should be a kill nine out of 10 times. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, but then I also realized, you know, this year that stats are just stats. Like a lot of the time middle blockers, you know, it's, it, it can look like they didn't have a good year, but they've had so many soft blocks that have gone to six back that I've been transitioned to points, but you're not on the dream team. You're not on nothing. And, and you, you get overlooked completely. And, you know, it's, it's a tough position because, you know, if your team, if the other team is ripping spin serves and you can't pass it perfectly, which is honestly getting more and more normal, like out of system volleyball is the next level is it's pretty common. Mm-hmm. You, like, so it gets tough to, to score points. So you gotta, I would say the next level, it's all about who's the best serving team and the most consistent serving team. Um, because what are you going to do if someone just rockets 120 kilometers spin serve at you or a very steep float serve with good pace? Like you're just going to pass it in the middle of the court and you're going to play or wherever you can just up and you're just going to give it to your opposite or tight on the net so that you can play. Like I, I know it was so cool to see the style of volleyball where it's like, all right, we're not going to try and score on our first attack. You know, we're just going to push it off the block, recycle it. And then from there, now we have our inside the attack line uh, pass. Now we can play in system. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool to see teams um, work together to do that. Because that's I think that's the biggest difference between pro and university was, you know, in, in, in university, at least in Canada, Canada is known for just full power you know, high off hands or things like that. But when I came to the pro scene, it was like, okay, there's different ways to play volleyball, not just full power. Now I've, I've heard a few people kind of start maybe petitioning that we should take out the, the tip and the swipe, because like you said, like it's very, very common now for guys to do the, the, the push and, and, and swipe. There's a few plays that I think it's starting to get questionable with how long the ball is staying in that hand. What what do you think about that? Like as a middle blocker, that would almost benefit so, you the most. So as a middle blocker, um, I've seen the speed of the set definitely increase uh, depending on which team I've been playing. Um, like so, but what it comes down to is like, yeah, like I can be there to close the block, but if I haven't pressed my hands yet. They can just throw it down my chest and it's a point, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like the refs don't really call it. Like in Poland, they definitely don't call it. <laughs> Watching their games. They they even volley it with two hands mm-hmm. over the net. Yeah. Um like a push. Um I you know what? I think if both sides are allowed to do it, you know, it's kind of fair. It's also kind of like, you know, for me as a middle blocker, it's like a lot. I've been asking people to kind of just like serve out the pipe, you know, because when you're dealing with, you know, a perfect pass and it's a huge middle blocker, if I don't commit with middle, my coach is going to scream at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he scores over pipe, it's like no block because everyone else has the responsibilities on the outside. Uh, so it's like, but the, the swipe I think should be taken out where you can push into the block and then throw it outside. That one is like, that one is like, 
I see a lot of people, they literally hold the ball and then throw it out. Mm-hmm. And that, that one I, I don't like, even though, you know, I, it does get us a lot of points. Uh, it's, it's a frustrating one. I don't mind the push into the block and recycle because that's just smart. I, I, I agree I agree with you on that, but I, I definitely agree. Like, I think the, the, the swipe, it, it's too subjective, right? Because, yeah. Because as a, re- a lot of time, oh my God, a lot of the time, the player that swipes it out is actually the last person touching it, and you don't see it unless you challenge it on instant video, which is what? Once every twice, twice, twice out of 22 games, you know, you, you get that instant video, so... Yeah, but also like All like, season. like yeah. you just said when you know like the ball is really really fast and they're just tipping it down in that space like to me like that's not a volleyball play. It's not a volleyball play that fans want to see. It's not a volleyball play that looks good on TV. Like it it's it's just kind of a dink play and you know I just it, it's just kind of like ah uh, like it 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 kills yeah. it kills me to see it because it kills the momentum. And, you know, like, like you said earlier, and I totally agree with you, like, you, you remember Doug Anton, right? Um, Doug Anton? Yeah. Uh, I'm not he was, sure. He was the, he was my coach at Algonquin, but he like helped okay. out, like he, he was, a, he was the original guy who started like sports cam, which with, uh, with Colin and stuff like that. Based off that, all, all they were, they were very close. But I remember him coming to the gym and, and talking to us about being like, you know, like every time you get set that ball, it is a permission for violence. You know, like you have the ability to go up there and hit that ball 120 kilometers an hour and you're allowed to hit someone in the face with it. You know, like it is a permission for violence. And we were seeing the game go very much like and it's weird, too, because it's only like like it's only in the men's game. Like the women's game is getting more aggressive, like they're hitting the ball harder, whereas the men's game is getting cutesier and, and with with all the tips and stuff. Well, uh, you know. Well, I think for mostly for the women's game, everyone jumps around the same height. So if there's a block there, you know, you have to hit a certain way and there's going to be a defender there and there's going to be rallies. But in the men's game, there's so many angles at the height. Some of these guys can spike. And with the power, you know, it's – I wish there was more rallies. But as well with the men's, like the serves they're putting into the game, it's like – like, for example, like Casey Shouten has been – absolutely ripping bombs like i'm probably i'm probably gonna say 120k some of these oh, some of these serves dude he's been doing that minimum club, though like that's, that's minimum in his mo always and it's like they're calling him the bomba like the bomb like yeah he is yeah i noticed against our team like they three owed us in playoffs swept us and it was like at practice you know the next day a coach is yelling at us like what's going on and then our libero is like well, I went to pass, and then Kelsey Shouten went back to serve. You know, <laughs> he shot with like, and it's just like, you know, like, what are you gonna do if someone's that hot? I mean, definitely you gotta pass it better as best as you can, and have someone that can hit those tough out of system balls. But he was definitely putting them in a good position to play block, block defense. What would, um, sorry, but what would you think about going to American rules? where you know you're allowed to have a little bit more subs so you have those DSs to come in. That's kind of what I want to see. Because like like you said like like servings become a weapon now. Maybe you serve out your your ser- you you take out like your right side, you know, or take out your 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 P2 for someone to, to, to for someone you know a little bit smaller, a little bit ball, better ball control to to play in the back row. I I think I'd love to see some pro leagues try that out. No, I I think when it comes to um the outside position now i think they're becoming 
more of a passer than an attacker, if I'm completely honest. I think you get actually more sets in the back row for like pipe than you do in the front row just because passing has become so important in the men's game and the opposite is just the volume point score. Like I know for some guys, it doesn't matter if it's a double or triple block. If you just put that ball in the right place, they're going to absolutely score. Like I remember watching uh, a podcast and they were talking about Gavin Schmidt. It was like, I knew if I sent him in the right spot, like he's scoring. It doesn't matter what block is there. Oh yeah. So it's like the passing is, is I think it's like pretty, like I, at least for me, it's like, when I am a lot, when I have a high scoring games, like we were passing or if I have a high blocking game, it's like they weren't passing mm-hmm. because we're putting ourselves in good situations. Um, yeah. I mean, ball control and serving the first contact is the most important in the game, I, I, but as well, defense, we were playing against a team and it's like, you spike that ball. Like I, like against, against Budweiss there, uh, Casey's team, I go up for a, uh, a 51 and I absolutely crush it. Like one of my hardest hits all season. And then all of a sudden it's like up in the middle of the court, they set it outside, huge, long rally, like probably 30 seconds long. And then there ended up being a setter dump by the other team and they score. And then I was, oh. and I just like look over at my coach and he's like, not happy obviously. Cause we didn't score the point. And I'm just like, you know, what are you going to do? Like that was just a sensational defensive play and it's plays like that where a guy gets to go back a serve again and then all of a sudden they're on you know a 3-0 run and it's like okay you know they've won the set now (laughs) just from one one crazy defensive play so defense uh, i think everyone knows defense wins championships and in the men's game if you can get a huge dig like that it's the difference between you know 25 23 or the other way yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think that's exactly what you're seeing, like, with Zaxa beating Kazan and beating Lube in Champions League recently. Like, yeah, they're playing great offensively, but some of the plays that they're making on defense, their defensive structure, how their block defense, what, like, how that block defense relationship works together, it's it's so strong. I mean, and I also think that's how Canada has improved our position in the, the world so drastically in a decade. Now, you've mentioned, you know, Casey Shouten uh, a, a couple of times now. The Czech League is actually littered with Canadians and guys who have played in Canada. So, you know, you've got your, yourself on Odalena. Uh, you mentioned Casey Shouten on, on Bujovis. Uh, if you go over to Usti, there's uh, Lars Borneman and uh, Vichot, who, who played at Laval. Um, and mm-hmm. then, and then, uh, Mark, Mark Wilson playing at, uh, Carlo Varsco. Is it, is it, you know, what's it like when you, you know, walk into the gym and you see some of these Canadian guys, I know some of them you, you've probably never met before, before you going over there, but is there still that rapport when you were in the Maple Leaf? No, it's, 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 it's just an honor, man. Like I remember I played, uh, against Mark Wilson in my first year in the OUA, he was on, on Guelph and he'd get set and he just turn and burn to one and bounce like <laughs> jack peckham still has nightmares <laughs> subbed out right away mark wilson boom it's like well what are you gonna do man that guy is massive he's a freak of nature he can jump too for how big he is and what a monster uh and then you know lars i i actually hadn't heard of him but then I go and see, it's like, oh, we had a 30-point match or something like this. Like, what, 
where did that come from? Like, who is this guy? And then I go and watch and yeah, he's, he's spiking the ball and he's, he's serving it pretty tough. It's like, okay, you know, people can, can come from wherever I can come from Nipissing. He can come from Okanagan. Yeah. UBCO was Lewis Borneman. Okanagan. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can come from anywhere. It just depends. You know, anybody can be anyone they want to be. It's, it's really, really, really cool. You don't have to come from a, uh, a well-known program, like, you know, one of the top teams, but as well as like, Paraguera, uh, it was cool playing against him because when I was at uh, EP, we would go down and play Laval as well, mm-hmm. and he was their juggernaut. Like he'd get set everything, and he just hit so high and hard. It was like pretty hard to defend him, and he's just still the same. And in, in at when he's playing for Usti, uh, I mean, if he passed, okay, but their setter was able to put him in a spot where it was high and close to the net, and he would just rip high hands and score every time. Like, he was very, very efficient in that. So his high ball offense was next level. Yeah, he was very, very good this year. Um, yeah, and then playing uh, playing against K- Casey, you know, I, w- I was a bit younger, I, so I, had, I didn't play against him, but uh, I would see him at the Team Canada tryouts, and he just had an absolute arm, and you just see the legs on the guy and you're like, holy, like this guy has been in the gym. Like he must be an Olympic lifter. Like he's got, you know, he's pretty jacked. <laughs> and then you go out and see him and, you know, I remember playing in the preseason, preseason tournament and he hits line against me and I, I got a pretty good touch on it, but there's just so much power. It's like, it's into the stance. Like normally that would be a good dig, but for him, no, he's not giving you a chance to defend that ball. <laughs> is is there any recognition amongst like the Canadian guys, like the U Sport guys, like when you walk into the gym, like you you say what up to them, have a, have a quick chat? Yeah, I would I would I would only talk to uh, Mark Mark because I, I know him better, and like after you, you lose, sometimes like you have to go and meet in the change room and talk to your to your coach. But there was always that you know across the net like respect for being over here and. You know, real recognize real for sure. Do you, you you mentioned before that like you know the Czechs kind of expect you to be like the you know the ironclad Canadian to come over and just do everything? Do you feel like they have a high regard for a Canadian volleyball? It it seems like it with the amount of Canadians playing in the league. Well, I know uh, for for my pro team, it's like they like to recruit from NEP. Like they know like that's like the volleyball program um, from the aspect of like OUA and CAS, it, it's not as recognized as NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know going to NEP is like really good for a lot of players to go pro. So anybody that wants to go pro, I would really suggest going to NEP because a lot of teams like to pick from there after, after you finish your OUA career. Well, if you're a stud, you're a stud, you know, if you're OUA player of the year, you can be, marketed that way but not not everyone is OUA player of the year so yeah, yeah. I mean Alex Dun- Alex Duncan Tebow got his first contract in Italy because he was the OUA OUA East player of the year um so it's it it it, it, it definitely goes the wrong way but th- that's interesting you still think well I guess I guess that's true the NCAA would would hold uh, a higher regard but is there a, a many was there many Americans in uh, the Czech League like like Matt August like Matt August, um, I can't really think of any other Americans in, in that league. No. 
Uh, that that's fair enough. What what kind of was it mostly? Was it mostly Czech guys on uh, on your club? Yeah, we had last year. There was actually um, two Americans and and myself, and we had a Latvian. So, and, but then everyone else was uh, Czech. But this year it was like I was the only Canadian, and there was still the Latvian. So this year it was, and I was the only one that like really spoke um just english that was that was tougher going from having you know a couple americans best buds to uh yeah you know hearing only check so that was definitely interesting How, like what was the like what was the first word you learned in check was it a swear word yes they yeah they teach you the bad things if you ever learn a new language they're never going to tell you the practical things they're going to teach no. you the bad words of course yeah just because you're gonna say it and they're gonna laugh because they think it's funny yeah yeah absolutely. That's it. it's literally that simple <laughs> have, have you started to understand czech a little bit it's funny you know it's like it's a very very tough language like i won't understand it but it's like once they finish a sentence i kind of understand where it's going you know what i mean like after you start hearing the same words you start realizing like this word is good and this word is bad or this this word is used to describe something. So you might not know the definitions, but you definitely know the the tone and the the, the meaning behind it. That's that's yeah. fair. So like when yeah. you're when you're conversing with your coach, does he yell at you in Czech, or is it like broken English? So it was funny. Like it, no, he has actually very good English. Um, but it's a preference. You know, it's just because you can speak another language doesn't mean you want to especially if your entire team is checked you know, I, do i would i blame anyone for speaking their language like if i'm in another country you know i have to get used to them speaking their language and i have to ad adapt to that. i'm never going to be you know because if someone came to canada and we're speaking in english we're not going to flip to check so i understand that you know you're in their house kind of mentality yeah sweet so so do you, are you are you but it's tough that's a tough language do you know like a couple words? Like, can you, can you go to the store and stuff? Go to the restaurant. Restaurant, I know. I know the food. I can. I can order off the menu, or I can at least recognize all the things. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Like for food, I'm good because you have to always eat. Um, for ordering, you can just point at it on the menu and they'll get it for you. So it, it's not too bad. Not too bad. But no, I'm not too good at Czech at all. <laughs> what what kind of food is are they going down in the Czech Republic? Like, is there any is there anything that's specifically Czech or you know like what well, yeah. what are you eating over there? Czech cuisine is they like like bread dumplings and goulash. Okay, that's like very common. And but I noticed they don't really eat like vegetables like really at all. It's mostly like gravy, like some sort of bread or potatoes and like a you know red meat kind of deal or like uh sauerkraut you know it's very like war times type of food very very basic like root vegetables if they do have do you so do you rock with that or like I... no that's not healthy to me that i did not like when you I would eat it from time to time. Like one of the dishes is really good, Shvichkova. Um, uh, but, you know, if you're an athlete, you can't be eating that. Um, 
all the time. You'll definitely, yeah, not, not high performance food. So it was tough because also I was, because I was in a small city, we had a very limited, uh, you know, what you could get at this grocery store, like the limit limited selection. So it was like, I was very common, commonly just going there, you know, for like chicken and rice and, and, and frozen vegetables, but there was not a large variety, but we were lucky to get a, uh, a team car later. So me and uh, my Latvian teammate were able to drive at least to a bigger grocery store that did have those, those items. So I could eat healthier. Damn. Yeah. Cause I mean, I feel like watching Brant's performance sports on Instagram that, you know, he's got you guys all, all, all eating good. Oh no, it was, it was, uh, you can still get healthy items though from the restaurant. You know, I'm just saying the Czech cuisine itself, but you can get, you know, Italian, whatever else. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fair. That's But And we do eat well, you know, we get, you know, whatever, uh, five coupons a week. So five meals per week we can get from the restaurant, which is huge in between practices. You know, you can just eat and go to sleep and then get ready for your, your night practice. So definitely, um, Oh man, it was, it was a luxury for sure. Not having to cook some days and just enjoy, enjoy the restaurant. Bode luck in, uh, Bode luck. Okay. Bode luck. How, how do you, how do you pronounce the, the, the town again? Odalina Voda. Odalina Voda. Okay. How about like how about hockey? You know, you mentioned you grew up playing hockey. As Canadians, you know, we always grew up learning about how good the Czechs were. And Martin Hasek, you know, beat us in the, uh, or sorry, Do- Dominic Hasek beat us in in the '98 Olympics and Yager and and all of this stuff. So, did you ever get to experience any Czech hockey? Not. Uh, I really wanted to go watch a game, um, but I never really had the time. But no, hockey is is definitely one of their bigger sports there. I'd say that, and uh, football is uh, their favorite sports. Um, but no, I've actually it's kind of funny. Yager's still playing, and he plays for for Kladno, and Kladno has a volleyball team. So it was kind of funny to go to this smaller town, and no, obviously I didn't see Yager, but it's just kind of funny to be in the same place he's living and playing. He, but it's funny because he owns the team, and he's like. I don't know how old he is. He's probably like 50. He's getting up there. I don't know. I don't know. Like, let's, let's, let's 47. Like, I don't know how old he is. He's up there. Yeah. That's probably playing for, for Calgary within the past seven years. He's 49. Yeah. 50. (laughs) And he's still playing. Like he's going to play until he can't move anymore. Like he's a legend. Absolutely. Complete legend. He's a, that's it's too bad that you haven't been able to go out and, and see a see a hockey game in in, in Czech Republic. I think I think that that would be cool, but I feel like they they probably don't have any fans going on there, anyways. Yeah, it's not having fans is is tough. It's tough, you know, because a lot of players feed off the crowd and they get that energy. So when you have to get that from yourself or your teammates, it's a new experience. Now we we mentioned you know like kind of looking forward. I, I never really asked you like. Are you going to be playing next year? Like you're, you know, you're you're planning on playing a, a third season. I do. I, I I like right now. I'm, you know, I'm I'm thinking of both options. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, just in case I didn't have a contract, I don't want to be sitting here unemployed. So I I am applying to jobs in Canada, but 
I do want to play again. I am I I would like to play again because it's like when I first came back, I was like, you know, that was a tough season. Like maybe maybe it would be nice just to be comfortable at home and with my family and with my friends. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, you know, it's like as soon as I got in the cab at the Montreal airport, I was like, I could have a completely normal nine to five job and I don't know if I would be happy right now thinking that I could have played more years. So just knowing that I have a limited amount of years to play, it's like, I can always come back. The, the Canadian market right now is booming. We can get, there's a lot of jobs. Like just talking to foreigners, it's like they can have, you know, a PhD and be a garbage man because there's no jobs. But here it's like, if you have that, you're much more likely to be employed. Like Canada has a very, very good job market. And we're very, very fortunate to live in this country. Um, but as it is right now, I think I would like to play another season, um, whether it anywhere. Um, yeah, like right now, I'm just assuming that I am going back and I'm I'm working out heavy already um, and just trying to stay in shape. Yeah. What, what was your like if you were to be going in the job field, like what was your degree in? Like, well, what's what's where are you going? I uh, I studied uh, business bachelor of arts, um, and my uh, specialty was accounting, mm-hmm. honors in accounting, um, and as well I got a certificate in human resources. Um, but I don't know if I'd want to do that or or, or what exactly would I I would want to do because you know it's like sometimes you know sitting at a I have had a desk job before it's like sitting there nine to five has been like okay I don't know if I want to do this you know my back hurts from sitting in a chair i'm not as happy but then as well you know it's like you get a you know i had a construction job and i really enjoyed you know doing labor so it's like okay maybe maybe i would want to be a contractor possibly or but as well it's like i do have my my education so it's like when you have your education you don't have to you, you don't always get a job what you studied for um, I think most people figure that out. Um, I think it's just a ticket, um, to be eligible for a lot of jobs. Like with the government of Canada, you can go on their website and you can apply for anything from, you know, a payment officer to anything, man, anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, and all you have to do is just have your degree, your, your, your secondary, uh, school. So yeah, it's, I think there's a lot of opportunities for now, just, I'm going to try and get a job as quickly as possible so I can, you know, have a, a life hack and get out of the quarantine. <laughs> I have to go to work. I have to leave the house. Is that, is, <laughs> that, is that, is that a real thing? Yeah, I think it's, I think for, I don't know, for me, it's like, I don't like sitting around. Like I, you know, sometimes you can get that social experience from being at work. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so, so I think, you know, I think this year has been tough on, not just me, not just my teammates. I think just everybody in the entire world. I think we, I think we all just want to get out and, and enjoy life. Yeah, I, so. I, I, I definitely agree that. Well, uh, dude, it's been great talking to you. It's been great to see you. Um, obviously, I'm super happy that you know you're you're doing well. I'm super happy to hear that you're you know had a good season. I'm super happy to hear that you're planning on going back because personally, I, I think I think you've still got like a little bit more in the tank. You know, I, I, I think and I, I feel like I, I know you decently well enough to, to be like, you know, I feel like there's there's still something something a, l- a little bit more to give in there. 
and that uh, after yeah. after this, you know, if next season, I just want things to go back to normal for for next season. <laughs> it's, Please, it's so hard to watch volleyball when there's no fans in the stands. Um, no. this, it's so hard to watch sports in general, like even watching March Madness. I'm guessing you've kind of been been all all over the March the March Madness as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but sorry, one thing before you go, um, who do you think is going to win the Czech League? Casey Budovis, they they beat Liberec last yesterday, so they won game one of of the semifinals. If that, you know, who who's your pick to I, win the Czech League? I I will have. First off, I'll start with who, who I think is going to be in the finals. I think it's going to be uh, number one and number two of the season, uh, Budweis and uh, Karla Varsko in the final. And then from there, I mean, if I look at both sides, you know, both of them have pretty pretty equal talent in the middle. Setting, I would say Miguel on, on uh, Budweis, he's very, very good. I think they, they might have a little bit of advantage there. Um Opposite power, similar, similar. Um, and then I don't know, man. In, in a in a in a five game series between those two teams, it would be tough to say. But I'm gonna say Budweiss. I think, but but you know, I can't bet on either team because you know I got a Canadian on each team, and I both want them to win so badly. You know, I'm never gonna be like this team's gonna win. Uh, when either of the team are on, either of them could win. So, but I'm going to say Budweiss. I'm going to I'm going to put my money down. I'm going to say Budweiss. Um, yeah, they're just very very consistent. They're a very consistent team, and they put a lot of service pressure. So I'm going to say them. All right. So Casey's out, and he's going. He's he's putting his money on you. Screw you, Mark, Mark Wilson. We don't believe in you. <laughs> no, not screw you, Mark Wilson. <laughs> he's a good Canadian kid. Oh no, I would I would never actually say Mark, Mark uh, screw you to Mark Wilson. I I hundred percent. I love Mark Wilson. I th- I think he's a great guy. Actually, I was hanging out with uh, Phil James on Sunday. Um, and you, when you're talking about, you know, like I don't know, like he's a guy who never went and played pro, and I know he regrets it. Because even like when we were hanging out on Sunday, he was like making jokes, and he has like a job now and stuff like that. But he's like, ever like I'm in the base, best sh- after this quarantine, like I'm in the best shape of my life, like I'm I'm ready to go play pro. And I mean, he's he's a year older than me, so he's like 30 now. Um, so definitely yeah. definitely do it now while you have the chance before you know before you start regretting it. That's that's what I've been kind of feeling. I'm like, no, I'm like no, I'm gonna be like, oh, I could have played in this country in this country. But you know, I settled down for the money, not for the experience. I'm like, yeah, I can get the money later, maybe. Do you think like <laughs> do you think you would like upon returning to Canada, you're going to play like some men's league or stuff like that? Like do you think you want to still be involved with the game once you're done playing pro? I if I'm in Ottawa, I'll, I'll probably coach, I think. I think I'd I'd want to coach for the Ottawa Mavericks. Oh, I think I I was going to say like Fusion or Mavs. Like you go in Jay Mooney, you're going to go to the Mavericks. Mavericks, Mavericks, Mavericks. Okay. Okay. Mavs. I, I think I, I really like the fusion. Uh, I think for the Mavericks, it was kind of like the next level because they had the strength and conditioning. Like the more, you know, they really pushed you. It was like for the love of volleyball, it was like, uh, you know, fusion. and uh, But for, you know, bringing your talent to the next level, I, I found when I switched, it's actually funny how I joined the Mavericks. It was like, 
one summer I was at Madawaska and all of us, you know, it was like you had some of the Mavs boys and some of the fusion. And it was like, you guys want to create a super team? Dude, that's the way it it's happens. Like, that's yep. That's that's yep. That's exactly that's exactly what happened in my 18U year too. Because we had because <laughs> we had like a few guys who had been played 18U for the Mavericks. There was like the 17U Mavs and there's the 17U Ruse, and then we just like got all of the best guys together. And that's that's generally the the the, the way it, it it always happens. Yeah, it's like both very good clubs um but for us it was like everyone was going to the mavs so i switched to the mavs and i was very lucky to be coached by who i was coached by who did frank you... saint denis was awesome um uh carrie mclean carrie legend man like yeah. I, i'm just thinking about like that that coaching staff that we had because like we we worked pretty like the 18u and the 17u teams like worked like we always practiced side by side and the, like yeah. we, did, we did a lot of like in individual work, but like that was a pretty legendary. Like Tyler, Tyler Vivian was a part of our 18U coaching staff. Tzahida Ving, also a legend. Also, <laughs> yeah, Tzahida Ving. We met. We mentioned Frank Sandini. Those, those are those are some fun times. I, uh, I, uh, I definitely I miss coaching sometimes, especially especially those days when you're working with some of the best kids in the country. Mm-hmm. But Colin Colin Walker was also a very good coach. Uh, uh, another another Ottawa legend. Another another Ottawa legend. Very 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 good coach. Yeah. Well, yeah, dude. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming and chatting with us. We'll have to let once you, uh, once you, once you sign. I'm, I'm gonna say once you sign because I, I believe that you're gonna be playing again <laughs> next year. So once you sign, please let me know, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure we will get it out there. But as I said, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, coming on the show today. Glad that you're home and and safe. Uh, watching your quarantine struggles with the the hotel and stuff like that was, <laughs> man. Can I can I get into that just so like yeah, let people know? Let's do um, it. Let's right at the end. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Okay. So first off, it was like at the end of my season, it's like, all right, do you want to stay around and like practice with the team, or like do you want to go home? We understand it's you no, know, it's been a long year, and I'm like, I need to get home before they change it to another rule, because my friend in Latvia, it, they were going to change it from like the same thing as us three days in quarantine mm-hmm. to 10 day quarantine in a hotel. And I was like, if that happens to me, that I'm going to be broke, <laughs> not broke, but like that, that would hit the pockets hard. Uh, so yeah, I, I got my COVID test. I flew through the airports. I got, I got back. And as soon as you land, they ask you where you're staying in a hotel. Uh, you got, you have to, it's mandatory three days and the prices are pretty steep. I think it's like, three nights probably over a thousand dollars is pretty pretty common for most people right now Dude. and the rule is is like as soon as you get your negative covid test you can leave so i only stayed the next morning at like six in the morning i had my covid test and it's like i paid for three days of hotels non-refundable but i'm allowed to go home it's like you know i'm just gonna go home i'm just gonna you know it's it's it's, it's a dead cost it's a sunk cost it's bite the bullet and i'm just gonna go home um, but it's funny they they called me multiple times already making sure I'm I'm quarantining. A uh, an officer came to my house and is like, "Is Warren here?" And he comes out back. Have you left the house? No. Is someone getting your groceries for you? Yes. Have you had visitors? No. It's like, okay. Thanks. Uh, it, no, they're they're taking it serious. I know people that have been visited three times and they're like, you know, but piss you, off. But like, you leave me alone. But you've already tested negative twice i i tested negative before i left czech republic i tested negative when i arrived in canada tomorrow 
I go on a live FaceTime with a healthcare professional and I'm going to give myself a PCR test, put it in a box, mail it to the laboratory. And then if I test negative, then I can finally leave quarantine. Actually, no, I can't. I still have to do 14 days. Even if it's negative, I still got to wait the full. So next Monday, I'm free. Finally, I can leave. Dude. I think it's just, it, it's it's good that we're taking it seriously because, you know, the death toll in Czech Republic now is over 20,000. Like, I mean, COVID was 10K a day there. Like, we think it's bad here, just over 1,000. You imagine 10,000 COVID a day? Like, I think we're, we're actually doing it right. I know a lot of people are skeptical and, you know, I just want my life to go back to normal. But, you know, if your family is alive and healthy, just, just be happy about that. And now we've got the vaccines. In due time, we'll be back. Um, it's tough for everybody. You know, everybody, you know, they don't want to infringe on the rights. They want to be free. But I think we're doing this for a reason. We want people to be healthy because COVID, you know, with the new strains, it can hit people very differently. You know, like, like I, my entire team got COVID back in September. It actually, most teams their entire teams got COVID and it was like, I, I haven't heard of, you know, I, I haven't heard of one team, one athlete yet who, who's been like, yeah, no, we, we haven't, haven't been hit. Like every, everyone's been hit. I, I agree. Everybody got COVID <laughs> at one point or another. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I got it last February when I was in Vancouver and like, like sure yeah. enough, there was a whole, I was at a bunch of games and there was a whole bunch of people being like, oh yeah, I'm really sick. And we were like making COVID jokes at the time because, but at the time, like we didn't even know it, was in, <laughs> uh, it wasn't even in Canada. And now, now it shows that it was in Canada, you know, like in 2019, but uh, I, I, I definitely agree, but man, it sucks that it, it seems like it's like, that's, that's such an economic drag. Like you're spending f over a thousand dollars on all of this and that's ridiculous if you test negative twice or they should at least have it where it's like okay stay a night in the hotel and if it's negative then you can leave and you're refunded the other two days or the one day yeah so then you're not dropping a thousand maybe you know three or four hundred which still sucks but you're not out of pocket yeah i i agree and like it's the same way that i'm like frustrated here in canada where it's like you can go to any big box store but like any small business is, is, is closed down. It just seems it seems we've gotten maybe a little bit lazy. You know, it's like the helicopter parents who just throw a blanket, a blanket uh, fix for everything and be like, well, this this is going to fix everything as long as people follow the rules. Well, personally, I think there should just be a limited amount of people in, in each restaurant or whatever. And you should. But it's like either open it or close it. I, I think it's so unfair to have these massive companies you know like walmart or costco allow to have hundreds of people inside side by side packed like sardines and then you can't have someone come into a convenience store mm -hmm. it's like yeah. that seems pretty double standards for me and you know like okay and but as well for the job market you know it's like people could easily be working right now but they're not because they can claim you know a 2000 serb well, per no, month and they're like well no, i can not, just sit at home not so much anymore not so much anymore. No, yeah. like I, I, I'm not eligible for it anymore. For, for, okay. for, for, for example. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I definitely agree, but there's well, also using just... the system. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, people are abusing there's, there's definitely people, but I think it's also, uh, also a, a thing that like, you know, like my girlfriend was working at Lululemon and she was working four or yeah. five shifts a week and the four or five shifts a week, like at the end, like after, after that much, like wasn't as much as the $2,000 a month. And like at the end of the day, like $2,000 a month is not a lot to live off of. 
right? So like maybe we need to look no, at, yeah. at, at our yeah. search. But we're so I agree with that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, I like, agree. like if if you're working risking yeah. If you're working risking all of that time and, and you're not making that money, so it's it it is difficult. But I mean now we're we're starting to get into uh to politics to, to politics and that's that's <laughs> we're that's, not politicians we're, we're def- we are definitely not politicians. we're volleyball players exactly former volleyball player if if that if you even call it that current volleyball player but hey dude as i said glad that you're home safe glad that you're home healthy uh hopefully you go for a nice walk on monday when you get out of quarantine um that's still a long way away wow i'm gonna go for a wa- i'm gonna go for a walk this afternoon just 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 for you um appreciate that and uh yeah definitely uh definitely let me know if, if if you're ever in the toronto area i think this summer i want to start uh setting up some uh some like grass games some four four grass games so if you're if you're in the toronto area let me know and we'll see if you get get you out there for that sounds awesome thanks for having me man awesome appreciate it guys this has been warren taylor fresh off his second season in czech republic former nippers laker former ottawa maverick ottawa boy good all-around good guy and uh yeah We'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks a lot, Warren. Ciao, ciao.